Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley Bark, and you are listening to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with New Zealand champion Ashley Bark about the endless variety and beauty of bridge and hear his top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. Hi, partner. How are you, Catherine? Very excited, Jocelyn. I I have been so looking forward to talking to you this week. Do you know who Leo Lasota is? Leo Lasota. Well, I read the Bridge Bulletin, and I'm always seeing his name as the the big winner of the online games or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's won more master points than nearly anybody else on earth playing online. I Mm -hmm. I did a little bit of a a Google on him and um, someone's blogged about him saying that he's got over 25,000 AC Beyond master points, one against the robots and over 30,000 BBO points. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. And as far as I can tell from the analysis from this blogger, it seems that despite Leo apparently having a full-time job, he's just playing 24-7 <laughs> to be able to get these points. So, yes, it's it's certainly a lot. I don't quite know how he does it. Anyway, I was online the other night and I always check who the entries are if I'm playing, well, any tournament really. And there's Leo Lasota. Now, I have to back up and tell you, I played against Leo a couple of weeks ago played against Leo. Don't you like that? Leo was in the field. (laughs) (laughs) You and Leo. (laughs) Me and Leo. Leo was in the field and I came second to him. I had a 62.71% game 
and he had a 63.53. And I will admit, I was cocky enough to think, oh, have I won this? But of course he was playing and of course he beat me. So, you know, no, I didn't. But I came second and I would have been happy with that. If that had been the best score I'd ever had against him ever, I would have been completely, completely delighted. But then the other night, there's Leo in the field again. And, you know, I always get a bit self-conscious. I try, you know, if someone is really good, someone's got a star next to their name or something, I'm, I'm always quite curious to see how I'm going to do against them. And I become a little more self-aware. I'm, try, I'm just trying to play really carefully. I, I wanted to represent myself well, and I had come second to Leo, so I was really trying hard. And I got a 68.15. And I thought, well, Leo's going to get 70 nine or something as Leo not infrequently does. Anyway, Leo got a 65.77. You just, you just beat him by a mile. I won (laughs) one, 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 one. I mean, it wasn't even close. So happy. Can you tell? So happy. I have actually contacted Leo about coming on this show and have reached out to Leo via a number of channels and have heard absolute crickets. So if anyone out there knows Leo, Leo, if you're out there and you're listening, we want you on the program. And, you know, now I can say I've beaten you. So it's not a complete disgrace. We'd love to have you on the show. (laughs) It's a challenge. (laughs) What is it when they used to call it for a duel? You send your emissary (laughs) to go and and offer to, to fight a duel with him. And now I guess we have to see if he's going to come on and honor your invitation to fight the duel. Right. Well, look, I know I'll never do as well against Leo ever again in my life, but now I can hold my head up high and feel like it's not a complete disgrace to say, Leo, please come on the show. Let me just say this, Jocelyn, and Leo, please forgive me. (laughs) I'll say that from the outset. Jocelyn, I'm not entirely convinced that Leo is a real person. (laughs) Because while Leo has done a couple of tutorials for online bridge especially about how to play against the robots there's so very little about him online except for his love of working out and he's apparently a zumba instructor in baltimore so none of it adds up to me i have a sneaking suspicion that it's an avatar or a front for an absolute expert and that leo doesn't really exist so there you go leo that's another challenge if you really exist Get in touch. (laughs) That's hilarious. Do you have any sense as to, I mean, you said that you were trying extra hard. You were probably concentrating, very focused. Was there any particular thing that you did that gave you the edge when you were playing that, that round? I don't know. Sometimes when I'm playing online, especially, I get a little cavalier and I will take risks that I probably wouldn't if I was playing with a lovely partner such as yourself. (laughs) I do the same thing. (laughs) Like, let's try this out. Let's see how this goes. Oh, not so well. (laughs) I did it today. I played a hand. I'm like, you know what? My partner has said one diamond to my one club and I've got four diamonds. I'm going to bid six diamonds just like that. No exploration. The kicker is it actually made, I didn't make it. I went off to, but it does make. And so, yeah, but I think <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> I think I was trying to play properly, shall we say? And 
be very considered in my bids. Also, I do know that those robots are quite, uh, they have their, their peccadilloes. Those robots are quite funky. And I have some understanding of, of how that works. And usually I try to play more closely to my system and just try to learn mostly from the card play. I don't, I don't put too much emphasis on the bidding because their bidding is so peculiar. But I think I probably was trying to be very mindful of what I know are some of the, the bidding quirks of the robots. But that all said, I think I was just playing like a genius, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> and beat Leo Lasota. Oh, that's just, that is so wonderful. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, because I always wonder, like, sometimes on those, um, on those robot games, if you are extra aggressive, it can, um, it can be very good. Well, it can also backfire. And you have to sort of be mindful of some of the ranges that they say for the bids. It's like, really? I need 25 high card points to make yeah. that bid? That's the bid I would be making. Right. It's just a Q bid. I don't think yeah. that my partner would necessarily take me for 25 points at that point. But, you know, that robot does. So, yeah. <laughs> that can get you in trouble. But can it, it can also really help. I don't know. So that's interesting. Well, you are definitely... In the Pantheon now. <laughs> yeah, well, Leo, we've, we, it's a challenge to Leo, Leo Lesota, or if anyone can verify that Leo Lesota is a real person, please, please let us know. <laughs> you can write to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com. Support for Sorry Partner comes from Bridge with Larry Cohen home of the Bridge Made Simple webinars at www.larryco.com for loads of videos, practice hands, and our favourite, the quizzes. Thanks, Larry. So, Jocelyn, I have had a look in the mailbag and I have a very amusing, not completely unrelated letter that I would love to share with you this week. Well, that's very exciting. Would you like me to read it to you? Ooh, yes, please. Okay. This letter is from Julie in New Jersey in the US. And the subject line is the KS system. And for anybody who's not sure, because I had to look it up, it's a shorthand for the Kaplan-Scheinwald system, which was a very popular system in the 50s and 60s. And I didn't read up a lot about it, but I think it's quite a natural system. Yeah. And you can get it online. You can, I think you can, uh, you can find it. And I think I've glanced at it. It's really long. Okay. Well, I don't know, but I'm not going to find out. <laughs> so there we are. All right. From Julie, the KS system. Here we go. I met my husband in college in 1960 in the card room where we were attempting to learn how to play bridge. For our first tournament, we went to a regional at the Hilton Hotel in New York. I sat down at the first table and with a really cheery voice said, Hi, I'm Julie. We play KS. And I just explained that's the Kaplan-Scheinwald system. After somewhat of a silence, one of the opponents said, We are KS. <laughs> I love that. That's I love that. That's so funny. That's so, so funny. That's great. We silently played two boards, and although we didn't realize it at that moment, we gave them two bottoms. Before we left the table, Edgar Kaplan said to me, Stick with that system, dear. It's a winner. 
<laughs> and she says, if that doesn't make you smile, nothing will. So funny. So that funny. is wonderful. That's that's terrific. Have you ever played against any of your heroes, Jocelyn? Yes, but I can't say that I have had as fabulous of a result as Julie with the KS themselves. I love the naivety of it all, just sitting down, no idea. Yeah, I'm trying to think. No, I've definitely played against some very big deals in the bridge world, but I cannot recall any situation where I was so delighted <laughs> with, <laughs> with how I did against them. Well, I think you and I, we um, once played against Joe Gru, and I know that we beat him because we didn't stop talking about it for weeks. <laughs> yes, that would, yes, that was a good one. Yes. He's also invited to come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> And I think we won a hand against Barry Regal, which delighted us no end also. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's fu it's funny. Sometimes it is the particular system that you play can be the entire reason that a particular hand goes well or poorly for you. I mean, I, I come across that all the time playing weak no trump versus strong no trump. It's like, oh, well, this was a situation where you get a weak no trump kind of tax because if you had been playing the strong no trump, you would have ended up in blah, 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 and it would have been fine. Anywho, but a friend of mine was telling me a, a story kind of in that vein where she was playing against somebody very, very good, and they played precision, and she and her partner used a particular gadget that I had never heard of, but she was telling me about called Wonder Bids. And with Wonder Bids, over a one-club strong opening, precision, your bids take on all kinds of different meanings. So a one spade overcall there can either show spades, a long spade suit, or all the other suits not spades. So my friend's partner bid one spade, and she's looking at her hand. She has a weak, crappy hand. She has, like I think, a singleton spade. And she figures... He's got to have the long spades, and I don't want to play at the two level, and we're really going to be hosed. So she passed, which you're not supposed to do because okay. you don't know which one your partner has. So it passes all out. I think they took no tricks because her partner actually also had a shortage in spades. So maybe, maybe they had one spade between the two of them, but the system that they were playing against, a double by the opponent's, would have been for takeout. And neither opponent, both of whom are holding a great long spade suit, wants to take it out of spades. So I think they go down 13, maybe, you know, they don't take any tricks. They get a top because the opponents had a slam or, you know, something, something crazy. And this was against a really strong pair. So I think my friend was quite pleased about that. That said, she did not make playing Wonder Bids sound like something that I am inclined to, to adopt anytime soon. <laughs> Wonder Bids aren't so wonderful always. Yeah, but there they were really good. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> so if you have any funny stories about encountering your bridge hero at the table and demolishing them or playing in a system against the people who named the system. 
or potentially about using a gadget in a way it was not intended and getting a very unusual result, we would love to hear about that. So please send it to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram, or you can leave us a voice message at www.speakpipe.com slash sorrypartnerpodcast. That link is also in the show notes, along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Ashley Bach. New Zealand champion Ashley Bach likes to punch up his system with a challenging convention or two to keep his opponents on their toes. He has competed at the World Bridge Championships, the World Team Championships, the European Transnational Championships, the World Bridge Series, and the World Bridge Games. We began by asking about his earliest memory of the game. Earliest memory would probably be the smell of the cards and the bridge club. It's quite a strange one, but from a very young age, going to the bridge club and before actually learning too much about the game, that was sort of, funnily enough, the first thing I can remember about it. So what was taking you to the bridge club? Yeah, I learned to play bridge with my dad. He's playing still at the age of 81 and doing quite well. He's playing almost every day. So yeah, he basically got me into bridge and I can blame him for that. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, so when I first started playing at 12, but I think before even playing, we used to play something at home and it doesn't even have a name, but I've just called it two-handed bridge. And I actually recommend it to somebody starting bridge because while it's very random, Half the deck are taken out, and you just deal 13 cards to each other, and you lead back and forward to each other. You bid to a contract, and while it's missing a lot of aspects, the general stuff is there. You've got the bidding of the contract, knowing how many tricks you have to take, and then you've got the leading back and forward of cards to each other. So while there's a lot missing, it was still a very good thing to play before you even learned bridge. So where did you first start playing when you were playing at the clubs? So I first started playing on a Sunday night. The club was Akarana, and it still goes today, but it's completely different. But back in the day, they used to have everybody from rank beginners to internationals and everybody in between. So it was once a week on a Sunday, and it was so much fun that it's really sad that it doesn't still exist. Play would start at 7.30 on a Sunday night, finish at about 10.30, and then it was basically party time. People would either start playing rubber bridge, poker, chess, or just drinking. So many different types of people, so many different levels. Everybody just mixed in, and I thought that was the best thing from sliced bread. Started playing once a week from 12 years old. I look forward to Sunday night every week. Unfortunately, they stopped it about 15 years ago, 20 years ago maybe. But it was certainly a good introduction to bridge and really kick-started enjoying going every week. So there was something about the community of Bridge. There was definitely something about the community. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And what do you love most about Bridge? There's a lot of things you can love about Bridge, but I love mostly what it provides as far as being able to travel. You get to see around the world and meet a lot of different people. There's a lot of good things about the card game itself, but those two things stand out for me. So it's the lifestyle. It's the lifestyle. I would never have thought I'd get to see so many different countries and meet so many people. So those two things to me are by far the most enjoyable part of Bridge. And do you have a favourite tournament that you like to play? It's hard to go past the Bermuda Bowl, the Holy Grail of Bridge. I think a lot of people would probably say that if they've had the opportunity to play in the tournament. There's a lot of other tournaments around the world. I like playing in Europe. There's tournaments in France and Poland. But, um, yeah, they can't get past the Bermuda Bowl. What would your partner say is your particular strength in bridge? What would my partner say? I really don't know. I'll have to ask him. But I think maybe these days it would be getting on with the next board. It's all very easy to be upset and disappointed with what's actually happened at the table. But I think putting that aside and pulling out a new hand and getting on with that rather than thinking too much about what's happened. In the past, we may have all been guilty of taking our emotions too far and ruining the next hand, so to say. So I think, yeah, it's a good strength to be able to put that aside and just get on with the next hand. Was there something that you did deliberately to overcome that tendency to dwell or to be thrown by a particularly bad hand? Yeah, probably just growing older. <laughs> <laughs> playing a lot of bridge. <laughs> playing a lot of bridge and realizing that it's just another hand and uh, you've just got to get on with it and not worry too much about what's happened. Are you surprised that that's something that you're pleased about? I mean, it, does it surprise you that this is maybe an obstacle that you've overcome? Did you, you know, if you'd been asked this question five years ago, would you have given the same answer? Well, my memory's not that good, so... <laughs> Possibly as time goes on, when you're very young, you can still sort of not think very clearly and just worry about what's happened. 
but it's hard to say when that actually changes. But I just think as time goes on, you just learn to put it aside and you know, deal with it. So now, what would your partner say is your weakest area in the game, since it's no longer <laughs> <laughs> getting stuck in the doldrums of the last hand? Again, that's something I'll have to ask him, but um, there's a lot of areas. And basically, I think the answer all comes down to just missing little things and mainly lapses of concentration. It only takes one second to turn a switch off and you've missed something. You know, I'm sure you know as bridge players that it's only one card or one bid and, you know, whatever happens after that mistake, you're usually going to get punished for it. And uh, so that happens far too often. And I don't think you can overcome it. You've just got to minimize it. These days, it's usually a misclick. <laughs> I would say I'm misclicking probably close to once every day. Do you have any strategies that you use to try and focus? Not really. You just got to try and stay on the ball, not let your mind wander. To actually have a strategy, there is none. You've just got to try and be alert as possible and stay with it. Caffeine? Caffeine, of course, yeah. Uh, that's that, certainly something that helps. What's the most challenging aspect of a partnership? Um, when you play bridge with a partner for a long time, you're not only spending a lot of time with them, whether that be traveling on the road or it's a lot of time together. So if you're only ever talking about bridge could get a little bit boring to tell you the least so if you've got something with your partner that's outside of bridge and it's an interest i think that goes a long way to helping not saying it's important that you must but for me it's it's a big deal to get on with your partner outside of just bridge you get bridged out to death and uh, having something aside is very important so we have a listener mike from michigan who's very interested in the way that expert players visualize their hands. Is that something that you could speak about for a minute? Yeah, sure. Visualizing hands, it's just basically putting like a jigsaw puzzle together. Little clues from the bidding, the opening lead, what the opponent's carding is. And as I said, rather than a strategy or anything direct, it's more just try to focus on each and every possible thing that happens. But how do you do it, Ash? Do you almost line up each piece of information in your mind or are you so experienced now that you take it in without consciously thinking about it? Do you literally see the hands as you imagine them? What do you do? You just try and build a jigsaw puzzle together. So, for instance, an opening lead, whether it's thirds and fifths or fourths, that may tell you how many cards are in that suit. And then after that, it's putting little pieces together, like what would have happened in the bidding if it was... X or Y, what would they have switched to if they had this or that? And one, you can't always put it together until quite towards the end. It's just taking little bits and pieces and trying to keep it there, basically. And it's very easy to let something slip. And if you do that, it's quite often that it'll cost you. But um, there's no direct strategy. It's just try and remember everything that's happened or what could have happened or should have happened. I'm still trying to understand how you keep track of all of the information, do you see it in a pictorial way, visual way, or is it more of a mathematical way that you think about it? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a million-dollar question, and it's probably a little bit of both. Mathematics play a small part in bridge, not as much as people would make out. Quite often you're trying to build up a picture of the shape of the hand, 
In other words, what one opponent's hand is. If you can work out one opponent, then the other opponent will be the opposite of that. What's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you when you were playing bridge? Oh, there's many funny things, but I do remember years ago, I think maybe even still have been a teenager. I can't remember it was that long ago. But I was playing with, at a tournament with a friend, Freddie, and everything started normal. The lady on my left opened one heart, and the bidding got passed around to me, and I had pretty good opening hand with six spades. So I made an intermediate jump to two spades. The woman on my left was playing Akol, and she thought at the time, because she had five hearts and her partner didn't know about it, and she had 15 points, she thought she should probably step in with three hearts. Well, that got doubled and passed out. And as soon as the bidding got passed out, my partner, Freddie, he screamed for the director in no uncertain fashion. I remember at the time it was a bit of a shock because he's a very larger-than-life character. So the way that he called for the director was quite amusing. The director turned up, and given that the opponents were vulnerable and we weren't, Director turned up and looked very quizzical, like, what on earth is wrong? And straight out of the bat, my partner said, Director, we need an ambulance. And lo and behold, obviously, Freddie was on lead. He had he had a couple of aces up his sleeve, and in trumps, he had king, queen, jack, ten, nine to seven hearts. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the look on his face when he said we need an ambulance was, yeah, I mean, that was something you, you won't forget, and I still talk about that hand. Because of what Freddie did more than anything, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think she took her ace of trumps and that was just about it. She went for 2000 or something. Oh, my God. Hideous. So, yeah, at the time that was very funny. Oh, yeah, gosh. If there was something that you could change about Bridge, what would it be? If I could change about it. I don't know if you want to change the game. I mean, the game is a beauty in itself, every aspect of it. I think... More than anything, it just it's a never-ending maze of puzzles. And even though often the puzzles are very familiar, each hand is unique in itself. So, yeah, it just never really gets boring, Bridge, which is why we keep playing, obviously. If it got boring, it wouldn't be much fun. But the game itself is quite magnificent. I think we all know that. All Bridge players know that. And um, I don't think we'd want to change too much. Do you have any passions outside of bridge? Anything that you're particularly interested in that you do in addition to bridge? Yeah, I follow a lot of sport. So, I mean, that's going to be a very similar pattern for a lot of people, but Mm. I follow it in a big way. Like, Mm -hmm. I really love it. I spend a lot of time watching sport and talking about it. And certainly if I didn't play bridge, I would be keen to do something that involves sport. So as far as your social circle goes... Is that mostly other bridge players or not at all, people who don't play bridge? Yeah, well, as it happens, if you, if you do play bridge, you obviously meet a lot of bridge players and spend a lot of time with them. So, I mean, the answer is both because you do catch up with people who don't play bridge at all, and that's good. But when you're together with people you, you either play bridge with or they're bridge players, you can't help but talk about bridge at some point. You can certainly go for a long time without speaking about bridge. But at the end of the day, if you are bridge players, as you know, it's probably going to be almost close to impossible where the topic won't be bridge at some point. You know, bridge players will always have something in common. Regardless of what else they do together, there's always going to be bridge at some point. Do you have a favourite convention? 
I have a couple of small favourite ones. One of my favourite things to happen at Bridge is when the bidding starts off with one club, whether it be our opponents opening one club or us opening one club. If the opponents open one club, I like to play a form of suction, which I sort of created about 15 years ago now. It's a very destructive method. You overcall all sorts of things which sort of don't tell you what your hand is, which tends to make it very difficult for the opponents. And it's a lot of fun. Bridge can be a little bit dull at the best of times, but with funny conventions like this, they actually make the game a lot more interesting. And so for the people who don't know how it works, can you explain it? So yeah, I mean, most bids are pretty much artificial. A bid will show mostly the next suit up or the other two suits. So, I mean, if it goes one club, one diamond, so the next suit up is hearts, and the other two suits are spades and diamonds. So it'll be one of those two options. Um, it doesn't give you a hand away in the meantime, and it makes their bidding quite awkward. Oh, I see. So that's where the tension and interest comes in. Yeah, because it's something um, a little bit unusual. It uh, sort of throws a spanner in the works. One of the hardest bids to cope with is when the bidding goes one club, one spade. Well, that bid shows diamonds or majors. So it might not. you might not think it should be that tricky to cope with. But if you put yourself in the opponent's shoes and the bidding goes one club, one spade showing diamonds or majors, it's very tricky to do something over the one spade, whether they've got spades or hearts or whatever. Um, unless they've got a hand that's very easy to respond, it can really make things awkward. You said there were a couple of other conventions. Is there one other that you would like to tell us about that you particularly like? I think transfers over our one club, they're a lot of fun and they have a lot of small advantages. There's a few small conventions there. Jacoby's is a good one. But otherwise, try not to get into too many conventions. Otherwise, things get a little bit murky. Well, what about conventions that you think are a waste of time? Yeah, well, there is one that I think is a big waste of time and that's Minerwood. Have you heard of Minerwood? Oh, yeah. Oh, we have. Please tell. (laughs) Yeah, so this is one convention that I really detest, not only from playing experience, but also from seeing it from a lot of top players. Over the years, I've seen so many disasters where there's either been a mix-up, whether it's key card or not. And I know you should keep some simple rules, but the fact of the matter is it's not always that 100% clear if it's should or is minor wood. And I just think it's a convention that's completely unnecessary. The other thing it takes away is actually bidding four of a minor strong, which sets up Q-bidding. So um, if there was all the conventions in the world, I would say that would be the one I detest the most. And it's something that I've suggested to play with Catherine, but I have never, never gotten her very excited about doing it. Forget it. Forget it. It's a shocker. Don't even think about it. (laughs) What's the best bridge advice or tip that you've ever been given? Yeah, well, I guess there's been lots of bits and pieces about that one, but I think the best one I've ever received, and it was that long ago, I can't remember actually who gave it to me, but if you're the declarer and you're playing the hand out and it looks like it's just going to be very dull, you're going to lose the last trick. If you have all the tricks bar one, play the hand out down to the last card, and often that'll produce a squeeze, even though you don't know what you're doing sometimes. Basically bore your opponents to death. (laughs) run that long suit (laughs) run that long suit and bore them to tears you'll be surprised how often even though it looks absolutely hopeless and you've got to lose the last trick if you can just run those cards in a certain order 
the opponents can either get very bored and throw the wrong thing away, or they can get squeezed without you even knowing it. So yeah, somebody a long time ago told me that, and it's made a lot of sense because you'd be very surprised how often at trick 13 you end up getting the trick you don't expect to get. And when there's basically nothing to lose, it's basically free. So certainly worthwhile doing. That's terrific. Ash, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. And that's the show. Many thanks to Ashley Bark. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or send us a voice message at www.speakpipe.com slash sorrypartnerpodcast. And please consider supporting the show. These links are in the show notes and on the website, along with some other good stuff. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Ash says, if you have all the tricks but one, play out your cards and bore your opponents to death. Often it will produce a squeeze. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.